Welcome, and thank you for joining us as we listen to the lively messages of Brother Nick Manzi, a down-to-earth pastor who communicates God's truth in understandable and practical terms as you apply the Bible to your own life. Have you ever heard someone say, that church is really on fire? Half of us have. That's good. Well, maybe you heard somebody say, well, that guy's on fire. Have you heard that? Amen. Amen. You know, I want to see what God says for us, for you and me here at Central Baptist Church, to be able to encourage us to keep the fire burning here. You know, I believe we can keep the fire burning in our lives and in this church, but only with God's help. Amen. Amen. We need him and to be able to be there for each and every one of us in our individual lives, but our life here at Central Baptist Church. So I want to go jump right in today, and let's go to our text. It's Leviticus chapter 6. Yeah, it's one of the books in the beginning of the Bible. So I want you to open up there, Leviticus chapter 6. We're going to look at a few verses, starting in verse 9. Leviticus 6, verse 9. If you don't have a Bible, uh, go ahead and share your neighbors. There's a couple in the pews around here somewhere, so you're more than welcome to use those. But please you, uh, read God's Word for yourself. Leviticus 6, 9. Are you there? Say amen. Wonderful. I'm going to put it up here on the board for you. There we go. Leviticus 6, 9. Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. Jump down to verse 12. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn it on the fat of the peace offerings of fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Let's pray. Lord, Father, I just want to thank you so much for today, and I thank you for this opportunity to be able to praise you, to be able to learn from you, and to be able to have your name glorified through my words and actions. But, Father, I pray that this sermon is nothing of me but all of you, so take over right now. And as you do, Father, fill each and every one of us with the Holy Spirit so we might be able to learn from you. Give us your wisdom and your discernment to be able to live your gospel out so others might be able to see Jesus through us. Father, clear our minds, our hearts, hearts and have everything good, bad, and different in our lives. So the only thing we're focusing on is you and only you. Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I want to say, I think it should be our prayer. Everyone, every person that's in here individually and us as a group collectively, it should be our prayer that this church, other churches in our surrounding area, and all the churches across the world that stand for Jesus Christ be on fire for God. Amen. Amen? This is what we should be doing. I'm starting to get those glory bumps now. I have a lot of notes I'm going to go by today. I'm telling you that right now. But I'm going to tell you that we should be on fire fire. It's my prayer that we may be on fire more than we have ever been before. We need to get on fire so it's not just some little sparkling flame, but something that looks like a bonfire you could see for miles and miles and miles away. I want us to be able to get there and I want to pray that when a person comes
comes here or comes by us and comes by this church and sees us, they might say, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know, but I'm being pulled into this church. I feel that there's something going on at that church called Central Baptist Church, and I want to be able to go there. I want to pray that this, this church is so on fire that the people in our community say there's wonderful things happening at Central Baptist Church. People are standing up for the Lord and they're doing things for the Lord and it's affecting our community in a positive way. That's what I want for this church. Do you? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We need to be on fire for God. I want to say it again. We need to be on fire for God. You know, there's a pastor who received a phone call once. I remember this story. And he received a call late one night about his church. And the people said on the other other end of the line that your church is on fire. And so he quickly rushed over to the church. And when he arrived, he discovered that the church was engulfed in flames. And there was no saving that church. Well, he stood out there watching the church go down in flames and he saw somebody standing in the distance. It was a guy that he was inviting constantly over and over to church, but yet never came. And he walks over to that guy and says, well, you know, I'm kind of surprised you're here. Why are you here? And he says, well, I never seen that church on fire before. (laughs) Think about what I just said. Do you want somebody to come by here and say, I've never seen that church on fire before? I want this church on fire that nobody could ever say that. That nobody can say that we are not standing for God. I want our church to be such a pillar in this community that they see Jesus in everything that we say and do, whether we're doing it for the church or not. We need to be on fire for God. We should be praying for the fire of the Holy Spirit to be able to consume this place. We should be praying that it happens in such a way that people are drawn to this place. We should go back to our text that we read this morning over and over again and see why we're supposed to be on fire. And I think if we look at it, we'll see four questions that come up that need to be answered about why we need to be on fire. First off, the first question we need to look at is, what is this fire that we're talking about? What is this fire? See, the scripture tells us that what this fire is. Over and over throughout the Old Testament, we're reminded about that symbol of fire. Remember, the fire first appears when Moses sees this burning bush in the desert, right? And when he's seeing it, it's not being consumed at all, but yet it keeps going and burning and burning and burning, and nothing's happening to that bush. Now think about this. Moses saw lots of burning bushes in the desert, but never once did he see one that wasn't consumed. And Moses goes over to that bush, and he hears a voice and that voice says in Exodus 3, 5, says, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is what? Holy ground. Holy ground. Do you believe Central Baptist is on holy ground? Yes. It is. And if you don't, well, we need to talk. Because Central Baptist Church is holy ground. So Moses, what did he do? He removed his shoes and began a meeting with our Lord God. And then Moses takes from that meeting and starts to speak to the people of Israel. 
And the Bible holds us, tells us that they were led by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar by what? Fire at night. Why? Because if we read on, we see that God was there. And then if you go on to Mount Sinai, the top of the mountain was burning with fire. And at that Mount Sinai, when it was burning with fire, it was all because of God's presence being there. God's voice came down and called for Moses. And so Moses went up and then he received the Ten Commandments, which were written by the finger of God. Then later on in the Old Testament, we see Elijah. And if you know this story, you probably do. He's seen, he's calling on God to send down his fire. Remember the, the, the confrontation that Elijah had with the, with the prophets of Baal? In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 24, Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal to a duel. He challenges them. Oh, we're both going to set up this altar with this bull on it, and we're both going to call to our God. We're going to call to our God and see which God comes down and takes that offering with fire. But Elijah says, you know what? You go first. You go first. I'll give you that opportunity. So the prophets of Baal, what do they do? They go up there and they call on their God to come down and consume the offering that they had, but nothing happens. And then they cry and they cry from morning to noon, Scripture says, and nothing happens. They began to dance and nothing happens. So they result to the only other common sense thing, I guess you can call it, that they can think of, and they cut themselves up for their own blood. And guess what? Still nothing happened. But then in verse 29, what happens? But there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Let me ask you something, church. If we were not on fire, you walked in this place. How easy is it not to pay attention? That's why we need to be on fire for our God, but that's a rabbit trail, another sermon for another day. The prophets of Baal gave up and they just said, you know what, I can't, we can't do this anymore. It's your turn. I bet you can't get your God to do it. So Elijah, what does he do? He does the only common sense thing he can do. He pours water on the bull. Not only does he pour water, he asks them to do it again. And he has to do it a third time. So much so that there's water in a trench that surrounds this bull. Amen. Now, have you ever been in a campfire and the wood is wet? You don't get much of a fire that way, do you? So Elijah is doing this. And then in verse 36 and 37, Elijah prays. And he says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant. And I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, Lord. Hear me. That these people may know that you are Lord God, and that you have turned your hearts, uh, turned their hearts back to you again. Then what happens? The fire of the Lord falls. 
And the burning of the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, even the soil, and all the waters licked up in the trench because of this fire. Now, let's fast forward to New Testament times. Look at Luke 24, 32. Two disciples were walking down and had an encounter with the risen Christ. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, they said, and while he opened the scriptures to us? See, are you starting to see what that fire represents? Are you starting to see what the fire represents? It represents the presence of our almighty God. The presence of our God. And I will tell you that if Central Baptist is on fire, if you are on fire, presence of God is with you and with us. It wasn't the burning bush that made Moses, Moses holy, was it? It wasn't the presence of anything except the Almighty God that helped the children of Israel. Elijah didn't defeat the the prophets of Baal, did he? It was God who defeated him. It wasn't an emotional day for those two disciples because they were in the very presence of Jesus Christ. It was God in the flesh who made them feel this way. Do you have Jesus? I'm glad five of you do. Do you have Jesus? You have God in the presence of you. There's so many others who have experienced this fire in Scripture. Jeremiah said that there's a fire in my bones and and I have to speak to the Word of God. John the Baptist said Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. At Pentecost in the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit coming down with tongues and In the book of Revelation, John had the vision of the risen Lord Jesus and he spoke of his eyes having having fire. So let me tell you the truth here. Write this down. I don't care if you write notes or not. Write this down. Highlight it. Circle it. Those fiery eyes of Jesus, of God, can see right into our soul and discern everything that's within So it can't be a fake fire that you have going on in your heart. It must be a real fire. It has to be a fire that represents God. It is important we have a fire in our hearts, not for our own sake, not for the sake of visitors, but to show people that there is an almighty God. So the fire represents God among us. The fire represents God's presence among us. When you give your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He places a fire within you to be able to grow more and more each day, to be able to become more and more like Him each day. Sadly, though, many of us can probably attest to this. After we accept Christ as our Savior, and we have that fire to tell everybody about Him. Soon that fire starts to burn out, doesn't it? Starts to dwindle away and maybe even become a flickering flame like a little pilot light 
Because I promise you it won't go out completely. There'll still be that pilot light hidden underneath that stove where nobody sees or even feels that fire. But it's there. That flickering flame that once used to be a burning inferno for him. So what happened? What happened? Well, that leads us to our next question that we find from Leviticus 6, 9, and 12, and 13. Whose responsibility is it to keep the fire burning? Whose responsibility is it to keep the fire burning? Burning in our hearts, burning in this church. Well, according to what we read in Leviticus in verse 12, well, it's clear that it's the priest's responsibility. You see that up there? It's the priest's responsibility. So it's the pastor's responsibility, right? Well, maybe it's the responsibility of the church leaders. Maybe it's even the responsibility of the Sunday school teachers or the Wednesday night teachers or Sunday night you know, choir leaders or whatever it might be. Well, let me, let me debuke that for a moment. New Testament says that Christians are the priests. Do you remember what, what we're reminded about when Paul says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, when he says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him, of him who called you out into darkness and into his marvelous light. Has he called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light? Then you're a holy nation. And if you're a holy nation, you're a holy priesthood. So if a priest is responsible, and as a Christian, we're priests, that means that every Christian is responsible to keep that fire burning. It's the, it was, back in the day, it was the, the priest's responsibility to keep that fire burning throughout the nation, to keep that fire burning as they walk through the desert and walk through the wilderness and to be able to, be able to show that light to God's people and then bring, God, uh, bring God's people back to God. It's a responsibility for each and every one of us I'm saddened that in America today, generally speaking, we come to church on a Sunday morning, we love the meet and greet time, but we spend no time talking to the people during the week. Did I step on some toes there? I know I stepped on mine. It's our responsibility to be God's priests. We need to pray for our neighbors. We need to pray for our co-workers. We need to pray for our family members. And then we're supposed to take God to our neighbors and our co-workers and our family members. And we do that by sharing His Word. So whose responsibility is it to carry the fire? Is it just mine? It's ours. Ours. We need people of all ages to carry that fire too. Of all ages. A church without young people will dry up. But a church without older people will blow up. (laughs) 
It's true. See, senior adults, we need you to help carry that fire because you look at life like some of the younger people can never do from a totally different end of the spectrum. You've lived a longer life and have more experiences that you can share with our younger folks. And young people that are sitting here today, you guys have to carry the flame as well. You need to be involved because you have energy like we don't have. You have enthusiasm that we can't uphold anymore because it's too tiring for our older bodies to be able to do. It takes all of us. And then for those of you that are in between, maybe you're not young, maybe you're not up in the age, and you're in between, we need you because you're still in the real world. You're out there dealing with the everyday problems at work that you can bring and bring those life experiences to help with the younger folks. You can bridge the gap between the older folks and the younger folks. We need people of all ages. So we rely on each and every one of you to lead this church. We rely on each and every one of you to take God's fire into a sin-darkened world. We need all of you. So what does this fire represent? It represents God's presence. And whose responsibility is it to keep the fire burning? It's all of ours. We're all responsible to keep the fire burning. But now how do we keep that fire burning? How do we keep that fire burning? Jessica and I were married April 10th, 1999. And I know so to some of you that we're still newlyweds. But I think... In that short amount of time, I've learned the secret to a happy marriage. Young men, listen. Communication. Communication. (laughs) I don't want to even know. (laughs) See, Jessica likes to talk to me. Yes, sometimes more than I want to talk. But she likes to talk to me. But you know what? I found that I enjoy talking with her too. Sometimes we just sit down and we ask each other, how was your day? What have you done today? Uh, What are your plans later for this week? Stuff like that. Can I do something to help you? Okay, maybe I don't say that often enough. Every once in a while, especially when I was traveling or, you know, in the office every day, I just call Jessica to be able to hear her voice and make sure she's doing okay. See, these kind of conversations keep us in touch with one another and we understand how each other is feeling. We experience everything and we experience our needs together. And we understand what our expectations are. But think for a moment with me. What would happen if Jessica and I didn't communicate with each other? What if we just saw each other briefly in the morning and said a quick, hey, good morning, and just go on our merry way? Maybe just say, have a good day. And as I go off one way, she goes off in another And then when we come back in the evening, we come back together and I just plop down on my recliner, put on the ball game and say, when's the food going to be ready? (laughs) 
do you think we'd begin to lose touch with one another? We would. We'd begin to lose touch with one another. She'd probably throw a shoe at me. <laughs> but we wouldn't end up knowing each other's expectations anymore. I wouldn't be able to know what her needs are and she wouldn't be able to know what mine are if we did not communicate. And how would that make us feel towards one another? Well, I believe that Jessica would be very disappointed in me. Especially if I didn't spend any time talking with her and showing her how much I really care about her and listen to her. Now let me turn that story around for a second. How do you think our Lord feels when we don't spend quality time talking with Him? How do you think He feels when we get up in the morning and say our quick prayer, Lord, lead me in my day, but then we don't talk to Him at all the rest of the day? How do you think he feels if we neglect conversing with our Father? No laughter there. See, this is serious. This is serious. How do we keep the fire burning? Well, we pray. We pray. We talk to God throughout the day. You don't have to have 45-minute prayers every time you talk to God. Sometimes it's just saying, God, be with me. God, help me. God, I love you. When we talk to him throughout the day, just say things like, Lord, I know I'm going to have a difficult day at work today. Please help me out. Lord, I'm retired. Show me what I need to do for you so I can feel like I'm wanted. Lord, I see a lonely person out there. Give me the words. Give me an opportunity to speak to them so they could see your love. And as we talk to God throughout the day, I promise you, you'll grow closer to Him. You will grow closer to God. So that's one way to keep the fire burning. Pray. A second way that we keep the fire burning is by hearing the Word. Hearing the word. Let me put it this way. Prayer is primarily us talking to God. Now, I know he talks with us in prayer, you know, through the Holy Spirit and we get convicted. But I've never received any audible voice from him through my prayer, just through the Holy Spirit. But we are able to hear him speak to us audibly when we read his holy word. Because he's talking to us in so many different words, so many different ways for every one of your battles that you have going on in your life. He's talking to us and giving us everything we need in scripture. That's part of the communication process. We want to be able to talk to God and tell him what we need and you know what we desire and how we want to be able to live out his life. But to be able to hear him, we also need to read his word. Here's another one of those things that you write down and circle and highlight. This one is important. The Word of God will keep you from sin. But sin will keep you from the Word of God. Let me say that again. The Word of God will keep you from sin. But sin will keep you from the Word of God. 
Let's say that together with conviction. The Word of God will keep you from sin. But sin will keep you from the Word of God. Burning with His fire will keep you in His Word. If you have a fire burning in your hearts, I promise you, you'll, you'll want to study His Word. You'll want to dig deeper. You don't want to just read it. You want to understand it as much as you can, as much as God's willing to let you have as far as discernment and wisdom. You want to be able to take every ounce of that. But growing cold will keep you from it. So when you spend daily time Studying, you hear that, not reading, studying God's Word. When we come away from it, our hearts will be burning from having to spend time with Him. Third way we can keep the fire burning is by Christian service. Christian service. I'm not going to talk about this extensively. We've been, we talked about it last week and a couple weeks before. And I don't want to bore you again with the same message But I have to say, when we serve God and when we serve others, the fire will burn in our hearts. So how do we keep the fire burning? Through prayer, through Bible study, and through Christian service. And we've seen that the fire represents God's presence. And we're all responsible for keeping the fire burning. And we keep the fire burning through prayer, by studying His Word, and by Christian service. But finally, the big question. Well, why should we? Why should we keep the fire burning? Why should we keep the fire burning? Let me give you three reasons. First, because God says so. And he knows best. Remember as a kid, you got in trouble, you asked your parents why? Because I said so. We've all done that. We've all done that. But that's what God's doing too, because he says so. We have to trust that he, believe, that he knows best. Amen? We have to trust. <laughs> I have a rule in my house that I learned from my family, from my dad especially. And I knew that no matter how old I was, as long as I put my feet under my dad's dining table, I had better do what he told me to do. I had better follow the rules. Now, he never bossed me around, and he never put unreal expectations on me, but as long as I was under his, under his roof, as long as I lived in his house, and even if I don't live in his house and I went to his house, I'd still better follow his rules. Anybody else said that? Well, the same way that we put our feet under the banquet table of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we had better do what God asks of us to do. We had better do what God tells you and me to do. And our King says, don't let that fire burn out. He says, don't let that fire burn out. And I understand how difficult it, it could be keeping that fire burning throughout our lives. Our, our lives are bombarded with a lot of stress, a lot of turmoil, a lot of problems that go on in our life. And it seems like the good times are not even close to the amount of bad times we got going on. But God says, keep the fire burning through it all. 
Just imagine those priests as they were taking this flame through the desert and they were going through all the windstorms and even sometimes rain. And they're trying to keep this fire burning. How difficult it must have been to keep that fire burning so that way they obeyed God's command about keeping that fire burning. Sure, it would probably have been a lot easier to keep one piece of coal from burning and then just relight the flame anytime they stopped with that coal. That would have been a lot easier. But God says, don't let it go out. Don't let it go out. So they kept the fire going. They kept that fire going. And Jewish scholars tells us that the children of Israel kept that fire burning for over a thousand years. A thousand years that fire was burning. And it stopped when the kingdom of Babylonia came in and took over. But until that time, they kept the fire burning. Why? Because God said so. God says so. The second reason we need to be able to keep the fire burning is because there's still people living in the darkness looking for a light. There's still people out there that are looking for Jesus. There's still people out there that are living so in sin that they don't even know that there's a Jesus out there. So we need to take them to fire. We need to bring the presence of God to them. We need to bring God's love and his mercy to them. You know, there used to be a day when Christians shared their faith without any hesitation. In those days, they say it took eight people, eight Christians, to be able to bring one person to Christ. Now they say it takes 50 Christians to bring one person to Christ. We had 122 last week, so we could bring two and a half people to Christ. I'll still take that number. I'd rather it see eight to one, but I'll take the 50 to one if that's all we have. But we got to do something about it and not let it become 60 to one and 71 and then eventually 122 to one. But what's happened over the course of the years? Has the fire gone out? I don't think so. But I think it's getting dangerously low. I think we're getting to the point where we're, we're, we'd rather take the coal and carry it around with us and light the fire when we need it as opposed to keeping the fire burning. So the number one reason we should keep the fire burning is because God said so. The number, number two reason we're supposed to keep the fire burning is because they're, they're still lost people and they need, they need Jesus in their life. And it's up to you and me to bring them Jesus. But there's a third and final reason to keep the fire burning. We need to keep the fire burning for those who come behind us. We need to keep the fire for those who come behind us. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be here forever. Eventually, my maker is going to call me home. And I I can't wait for that day. But until that day, I'm going to do whatever I can to to be able to set an example for my children, for others. So I don't know about you. 
I want my children to be able to pick up the fire when I, for, after I leave this earth and leave it behind. I want them to be able to get up and do things for the Lord. Not necessarily preach. That's not, if that's not their calling, that's not their calling. But I want them to be able to pick up the flame that I leave behind, that fire for God, to be able to show others that we have an amazing God, a holy God, a just God, a loving God, and a merciful God, and a gracious God. I want them to take that flame so it will lead them in their journey just like those Israelites had that pillar of fire at night and be led by God. I wanted to be able to do the same thing to them. I pray it will inspire them just like Elijah was inspired by our God consuming this, this uh, uh, animal, this, 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 this cow to, to be able to come down here and uh, take that cow that was full with water and make that bull into a, a pile of ashes and inspire all those people that were celebrating Baal to know that they're following no God at all. Because they're not even, he's not even a God. He's not even, he's nothing. I want my kids to be the man or woman that God wants them to be. But I want them to be the man or woman that the Lord wants to use them as. They have service too. But it doesn't just mean my kids. Anybody in this church, remember, we're all responsible. We're all responsible to be able to keep that fire burning. And we must share that gospel. We must be an encouragement to somebody. We must not have just a coal and light it up when everybody else is lighting up theirs. Yeah, they might call us Jesus freak, Bible thumper, weirdo. Many other names that I probably can't use in church. But so what? So what? So, to use our text today to remind you about the fire in your heart, God tells us, command Aaron and his sons saying, this is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning. And the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the fire and the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. And they shall and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. And the most important verse we could take away. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Nick Manzi is Senior Pastor of Central Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. If you want more information about the church, or if you're ready to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, contact Brother Nick at Pastor Nick Central Baptist PSL at gmail.com. God bless you as you go about the rest of your day, and thank you for listening and sharing our podcast.